it's not a coincidence of all the things you've experienced here today or last week or the week before or the week before that. It was God ordaining certain things in your life to hopefully draw you closer to him. You had the ability to accept what he has to say or you have the ability to reject it. I encourage you to accept it. We've been speaking on it just like Jesus. And this is probably, this is the last week of just like Jesus. And some of you are saying, oh, thank goodness, I'm so tired of hearing him just about just like Jesus. And, and, but there's two, type of, two types of people that are in the congregation this morning. One type says things like this. I'm just like Jesus. I'm just as holy. I walk on water. Only if it's frozen. I walk and act like Jesus. See, none of us probably really act that way. But sometimes there's little things that we do. Hang on. All right. That's a little better. I, I cannot multitask. If I get more than one thing in my mind, a lot of times my mind goes blank. So I have to have this cordless mic. But, but anyway, where was that? Oh, um, two types of people. One type is one that they think they have arrived. And let me tell you, there is not one single person. There's not one single person in this building ever been here or ever will be here that has arrived spiritually. We're all, it's a process in all of our lives. There may be some that are a lot closer to the Lord than others, and some maybe may are afraid of, of uh, inviting him into their life. But there is a fact, none of us have really arrived spiritually like, like we could. We may have experienced some great things in God. Let me tell you the other side of it. Just like Jesus, well, but I'm flawed. Paul asked me last week after the service, he, some questions he asked me. And I begin to think, maybe, maybe it's a little vague what I'm seeing being just like Jesus. Maybe, maybe people are thinking that, that I expect them to, to uh, that, that we have the ability to be just like Jesus. Let me tell you something. We were born in sin. Our mom and dad was born in sin. Our grandparents were born in sin. There was none of us that was born in immaculate conception. It was just Jesus. But it's something that we need to pursue and, per, and push forward in our life to become more like Jesus. That's what this message and all the messages have been about. It's becoming more like him. You may, you may say I'm flawed. I'm just human. I'm not perfect. Is it even possible to be like Christ? Let me tell you, it may not be possible to be just like Christ, but it is possible to be more like Jesus. It is possible for every one of us to become more like him. When you have, I'm 57 years old and, that sounds terrible, but, but I am. And I see myself all the time becoming, trying to become more like Christ, trying to be, become more in his image, more in his likeness. We had a leadership meeting yesterday, and, and I said something to uh, Aaron and Preston. A pivotal point in their, their ministry with young people Always keep respect. And I'm telling you, 
keeping respect for those in authority and keeping respect to those that are older than you and showing respect to those even that are under you that you teach. If you have a proper perspective, you'll always be open to what God has for you and what needs to be corrected in your life. But if you have a problem with authority, you have a problem with anybody being over you, you will always have a problem with growing in the things of God. It's just the way it is. That's the way it works. It becomes part of your personality, part of your DNA in your uh, respect factor. You weren't perfect in your community. I wasn't perfect in school. Many of us have not been perfect while we're out of school. I, I, there's something I seen yesterday or something sometime this week about some teenagers. How do teenagers act? Like teenagers. They do. And they do some stupid things. Now you think that you have it all together and you think you have all the answers of life. And your parents and uh, grandparents here, but, but your parents are so lost. I've done so many things wrong. Am I foolish for thinking that I could be like Christ? I don't care what your addiction is. I don't care what your hang-up has been. I don't want, I don't, it doesn't matter what your constant problem has been, what your constant crutch has been. Man, there's something about Jesus, when you started watching him, you started listening to his teaching, you started applying it to your life, you cannot help but be like him. You may get discouraged sometimes, you may look at yourself sometimes and say certain things about yourself, well, I'm, I'm pitiful, I'm, I'm pathetic, I'm, I'm lost, I'm, uh, I'm weak, I'm, 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 I'm always in trouble, I'm always making the wrong decisions. As you start patterning yourself in the right way, you begin to make the right decisions. And over a period of time, you will come through with great victory in your life. I'll stop right there for just a minute. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. So that, so that for the future time he could show the riches of his grace by being kind to us in Christ Jesus. I mean, you have been saved by grace through believing. You, you, did, not, you did not save yourselves. It was a gift of God. It was from the result of your own efforts. If it was, it was not from the result of your own efforts. So you cannot brag about it. God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God made us do good works, which God planned in advance. There's something about this passage about our lives. You can only, you know, a lot of us can have more self, self-discipline and willpower in our life. And that's good. We all need it. You need to get up and have discipline in your life to have a routine in your life. But to really understand salvation, you will understand it's not just by your behavior. It's by your understanding of grace and what grace is and what Christ provided for us through grace. It is by grace. It is by grace. It is by grace that we change. It is by grace that we have salvation. It is by grace that he has poured out upon us. It allows us to be able to become something more. It is not because of your good works. It's not because you've done the right thing. It's because of your understanding of grace. You begin to do the right thing. You begin to act a different way. It's totally by his grace. That you can even have a desire to be like Christ. 
I make references to my father a lot. I lost my father when I was 25 and, and um, more years without him than I have had with him. He didn't tell me a lot of stories. Something about men who are older, when you're young, they don't tell you a lot of stories. If my dad could have got older, I could have heard all the stories. You know, when you guys settle down, Glenn Langford, wherever Glenn is, back here, he comes to the church. I'm here a couple of days, three days a week, and he comes in almost every time I catch him, and we spend 15 to 30 minutes talking. And I like, he may not know it, but I love hearing him tell his stories. I love hearing his past. When my father, he wasn't saved. He was married at a young age. He was 18. My, or I believe he just turned 19. And my mom was 15. And uh, they got married. They lived in a lot of places. He worked for a, a Conoco oil company. And he uh, ran service station. I grew up a service station. Anybody in here grew up as a service station kid? I'm the only one. Well, well, it's fun. And, um, but my dad was 27 years old. And my dad thought that if he'd done the right things, he could prosper and God would, he wasn't thinking about God, but he thought things in his life would be right. And finally, at 27 years of age, my mom couldn't hinder him. You couldn't hinder him. I couldn't hinder him as a little boy. For the first time in his life at 27, he said, something's got to change. Less of me and more of Jesus. And when he went home to a little bitty country church, look called a mountain assembly. It's a little bitty men sat on one side, women sat on the other side, and, and the services are women running around and men hollering all around. And, and all this, is, that's fine, that's great, wonderful. But that's not what is to your, your relationship with the Lord. But my father gave his heart to Jesus. And he began a series of, of decisions he made from that point on, and God began to bless. God began to give direction, and God began to give him insight into things. It wasn't anything that he'd done other than one weekend when we went home, he went back to Kentucky. We live, live in Tennessee, and, and he fell on his knees. This is the only thing I heard about. He went through the service, and he went to the front, and he just fell on his knees and said, Father, I give you all my life. And that was the beginning of a change in his life. But see, it didn't end there. That was the beginning of change in my life, in my mom's life, in my brother's life, in my sister's life. See, before my father, my grandfather had been a man who ran around all the time on my grandma. He had another woman on the side and done a variety of things. And my father remembered that. That's what my dad didn't want anything to do with, to do with church. This is unplanned, okay? And, but my dad finally came to a place of repentance, became, came to a place of change. Years later, he was called to ministry. I won't tell you the rest of the story, but don't ever tell yourself God isn't real or it doesn't work for you. I've tried it before. Man, when I hear people say, I've tried it before, I say, you've tried what? You've tried an emotional experience. That doesn't carry you very far. That'll carry you for maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks, maybe three, maybe a month. But it won't carry you forever. 
You've got to have more than just a relationship of, a, of emotional. He may use your emotions to draw you, but he uses his word and what he teaches to keep you. And he keep you for yourself. What does it mean to be like Jesus? A lot. A learning. Learning, applying his mannerisms, his response to the way he treated other people. Some examples of what he used. I'll go briefly through this. What about when he taught about the Good Samaritan? How many of us can learn some? How many of us have heard about the Good Samaritan? We've heard it. All of us have. And a lot of us hear about it on the news in different places. People talk about being a good Samaritan. And they don't have a clue what it's about. But it's about arrogance. It's about egotistical believers who were priests and Levites. And in a sense, it was the church. It was about us. It's about how we act when we leave the doors. Are we, are we like them or like the priests and the Levites or somebody isn't worthy of me to go and help or, or do something for Last time wanted, I was watching a part of the series of um, Chosen, and Nicodemus is, is so much people adored him and all that he done, and he went before them, and and he would call him to go do all these things, until they said, "Will you go to the red light district?" I said, "What he called? It. I can't remember what the term was," because there's a woman down there that's tormented. There's a woman down there that's controlled with demons. And he goes, okay, okay, I will. So he took his incense and he, and he said all the right things. Listen to me. But there was nothing in his life yet. Nothing had happened inside. He learned all the religious ways of doing things. When he went into this woman who was demon-possessed, and he began his, his mantra or whatever he began to say and, and the, the incense and stuff, she looked at him and said this, I'm not afraid of you. You don't have anything. And he backed out and he ran and he left. It's the same way with us. We may have all the religious and all the religious looks of everything, but we don't have the substance on the inside. When we come to church here, we learn about how to act, what to say. Are we perfect? No. I said it last week and the week before. Everybody on this stage has flaws. Ate up with them. But we're trying to become more like Jesus, a little bit more. I got certain, certain things you have in your life, it's been a headache. You learn to master those things. And it's only through his grace and, and his hate that you're able to do that. You will not ever master things on your own ability. Until, see, that I've heard people say when you can embrace grace, I mean, you need to embrace it. If you understand it, it'll mean everything to you. And it'll do everything about changing who you are. That's what being like Jesus truly is. The good Samaritan, the prodigal son, I only preach about him three times a year. The prodigal, there's something unique about that passage. And every time that I preach about it, every time I study about it, it just speaks to my heart. Because we're all prodigals. Every one of us. You may think you're not, but you're fooling yourself. We're all prodigals. Maybe some of our, our rebellion or our lifestyles were a little more extreme than others. The prodigal son. How about the money changers? Jesus went into the temple, he made him a whip, and he began to flip the tables over because he was fed up with those people making a mockery of the house of God. 
sick people that he touched. But nobody else would touch them. I spoke the first week in this series. Jesus came off the mountain and he touched a man that nobody else would touch. Nobody else would give any attention to. This man came to him and instantly he knew he was a leper and he touched him and he made him clean. Jesus went against the law. And the last one was, what about the woman? What about the woman in, in chapter 8 of, of John? Woman taken in adultery. She was brought before him. They threw, him, threw her down in front of him. Probably naked. Embarrassed. Humiliated. Because how she came is how she had to leave unless somebody gave her something to wrap up. I don't care what kind of woman she was, it was embarrassing. And Jesus is famous saying, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go. Why? He was teaching her grace. Being like Jesus is the ability to give grace for someone who's done you wrong, somebody who's talked about you, somebody who's spread things about you. It's grace. Because if we all got exactly what we had and what we felt like we should, it would have been judgment a long time ago. We're supposed to be learning from his teaching because it is doable. It is doable. And we need a Savior. Go to Philippians, if you will, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. 1 is verse 6. How many of you are sure, you may look at me and you may say, well, are you sure he can... Do a work in me. Everybody look at me just for a second. Maybe painful, whatever, but just for a second. Can God do work in me? Am I, am I one of those sheep? Just Someone lately wrote an article on Facebook, one to told me about it, how the Lord left the 99 sheep and went and found him. It's amazing when you see your life as, as being more than one of the 100, but you're the 99. But can he do a work in my life? Listen, if you will not get your eyes where they shouldn't be, if you want to see the wrong people, you want to listen to the wrong people, they may be friends of yours, they may say things about you or do things to you. If you ever take your eyes off the cross, hey, take your eyes off the mark, if you will, and start focusing on people in, in any way in, or in the pastor, you will be discouraged and you will go astray. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, He that began, I'm going to just quote out King James, He that began a good work, He that began a good work will complete it. And in each of our lives, we need to know that. Your work may be taken, may take you a couple more years. You know, some people, when they come to church and they, they get saved, and, and the first year, first two years, man, it's just amazing how much they learn. And then there's other people, maybe it takes them about five years or ten years. But it's, we're all on a different scale in our learning. But if we will give him a chance, he will do a work. 
He will do the work. We've got to be willing, though, with our hearts saying, Father, I'm willing to work. I'm willing for you to do the work in my life. If you start on a regimented journey of pursuing Christ's teachings, taking your Bible, and I encourage you, if you can, to study the book of John. Now, there's other places you can read that are really critical, but there's something about John's writing. There's something very intimate about it. Something about the application he, he takes with the, with the different parables and, and things that Jesus said. He makes it so personal. If you will take and you will study those and you begin to pattern your life exactly as, he, as Jesus taught, as he taught in, the, in the book of John, I guarantee you, you will start seeing great progress. You will see things in your life that you've never seen before. You will do things in your life that you used to think was crazy. That's foolish. That's stupid. If you allow the Holy Spirit to take residence within your life, Holy Spirit to take residence, huh? How do, how do I ask Jesus in my life and, and then I get a Holy Spirit access? Every person in here that has asked Jesus to come into their life, the Holy Spirit has a residence there. But there's something unique that happens sometimes with the Holy Spirit. When you open yourself up and you say, Father, I need all I can get from you. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. Or if you have more for me, just give it to me. Father, I, I, I will prove myself faithful to you. As you prove yourself faithful, it's amazing. Listen to me. I'm going to say it. I'm not as much for people being filled with the Holy Spirit anymore in the church services. Not because of, I'm, I'm embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. Not because I think he's not relevant. But they're taught how to do it. Nobody has to teach anybody how to, how to speak in tongues. When the Spirit comes over you and you begin to speak, it just happens instantly. I was a little boy, and, and I was just getting prayed for about, about healing in my life, about uh, allergies. And man, the Holy Spirit just fell on me, and it hit me, and, it, and I began to speak in another language. Nobody had to coach me. Nobody had to teach me. It just happened. And several of you know what I'm talking about. But sad to say, some of you have been coached how to speak in tongues. Uh, this is a joke we used to say. Uh, uh, Nathan always used to say, first time he went to a youth thing and he's trying to get everybody speaking in tongues, they're saying, say taco, 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 taco. There is nobody, nobody, I don't think, hates religion and routine and spiritual status any more than I do. I'm not enamored with somebody because they speak in tongues, so what? But you personally, if it's personal, it's a real relationship with you and Christ, and you enter into a place of him speaking, and the Lord just moves and you begin to speak in tongues, it's amazing how much comfort you get. And I believe it or not, he'll begin to speak to you, and sometimes he'll give you interpretation. I can tell you from experience, those are great things that happen in your life because they've happened to me. A year ago, I don't know what I'm telling you guys, but, but a year ago, I was, I've told a lot of people this, I may have told it here in church. I was coming, I was going to Dexter all the way back, all the way back from Dexter. And the Spirit of the Lord just moved in my vehicle, and, and I was just praising. I don't know what it was. And I began to pray, and I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And he began to, I began to speak in tongues, just, just 
I don't know, just did, and, and entered into that place, that sanctuary in my, in my car or my truck. And then right after I got done, the Lord gave me the interpretation. Why? I don't know. Very few times has the Lord given me interpretation for myself and once or twice in a, in a public thing. But it's, it's not a, a spiritual a halo or a spiritual crown of, that I have. It's just something that he's spoken to me, and I won't tell you what he spoke. But since that time, Wanda remembers, since that time, he spoke to me. Many of you are here. Many of you are here. And many of you have abilities and talents and can do things that this church needed. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit ain't no joke. And you need him present in your life. Move on. We're going to get out of here about 1 o'clock, it looks like. When you start watching, when you start watching yourself make decisions that you, that is definitely not in your nature, you know, some of you in the past had a real, real nature problem with, with a, a foul mouth. You just say things uh, or, or tell dirty jokes or, or, or just whatever it was. And, but you notice all of a sudden you're going to town, you're in your wife and somebody pulls in front of you. And I'm not saying you're going to be all bliss because that don't happen because I still get mad if somebody pulls in front of me. I don't say bad words. I get mad and a few other things. So, uh, and so... Just because, but you'll watch yourself growing in the Lord. Look back two years ago. There's something different about me. I remember, man, I used to, I used to you just sit, just all, all of a sudden you have a, a, a light goes on, you go, I didn't freak out on them. I didn't cuss them out. I didn't shoot them to bird. I didn't do something else. That's amazing. How did that, it happened because Jesus has been teaching you on this journey that you're making with him, becoming more like Jesus. You're in the process of sanctification. That's what we call it. Sanctified. I used to have a Methodist preacher of mine, a friend of mine, he'd say, are you saved and sanctified? Are you saved and sanctified? Uh, I'm saved. I'm in the process, I guess, of sanctification, but he was hung up on this sanctified. Step by step, you'll become more like Christ, more like Christ-like. In 1 John, I'm going to wrap this up. It becomes your second nature. It really does. When do you, when do I not look like Jesus? I could ask some people in the congregation, when do I not look like Jesus? I don't want you to answer. Think about when do you don't, act, when you, when you're not reminded somebody of Jesus? When you first wake up in the morning, are you one of those people that wake up don't talk to me. Anybody? Hi, Jake. Hey, Miranda. Really? Joe's a big sourpuss in the morning. The crab. There's something about when you when you wake up, you don't want to talk to anybody. You gotta you gotta brush your teeth and take a shower and all your stuff you gotta do. And maybe drink a cup of Joe that finally now I can talk. The kids are arguing. How many of y'all love it when you're in a car and two kids are behind you going back and forth? If they can't reach each other, if they can't reach each other, they turn the bodies around and they start kicking each other. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how me and my wife handle it. Me and her look at them and say, now kids, y'all quit that. <laughs> quit. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. They always just quit. It's just it's incredible. When you have a grandchild, they keep saying, I've seen it happen with all, Maisie, London, Blakely, and uh, Sophie. Why? Why? Ask your question, why? It's just, just because. When you see, a, how about this one? When you're going down the road and you see a flashing light in your, in your rear, view, rear view mirror. And then you get pulled over. And then they come walk it up. And you're praying for grace, mercy. <laughs> Haven't we? I have. I've only received it one time, but I've always prayed for it. <laughs> Lord, give me grace and mercy. This last time, I, I wanted me to pray. I don't think I did, but the guy walked up and I was hammered. 75 miles an hour, 60 miles I was I was going to prison, sitting in jail something. And, and he goes, man. Somebody going that fast, I got to pull you over. He goes, where were you going? I said, tell him the truth. The truth will set us free. I got free. And uh, I said, I'm trying to get my wife back. We're doing the ladies' retreat, the ladies' conference at the church. Little did I know all the other side effects of this thing, but uh, all the COVID that would hit. But uh, he gave me grace, man, 15 miles an hour. It's awesome. I want to finish up. Um, how about this? You spill your coffee, your milk, your pop, or water all over you because you can't go in to eat. You have to give drive through. Come on, y'all. Y'all know anybody? If, anybody who's an old timer here, they know I hate drive throughs I think they're for lazy people. You're too lazy to get up, going to get your food. You're lazy. We're almost done. Your dog can't wait to, until it gets outside. I kill it. <laughs> we got dogs that came up missing. I need to leave that alone, okay? Philip, uh, uh, oh, this is, this is my life. Um, going to the kitchen late at night, and you decide you want a bowl of cereal. A good bowl of Cheerios, a good bowl of cornflakes, or Lucky Charms, or, or King Vitamin, not King Vitamin, uh, Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch. And you go in and get your bowl out, get your spoon out, get your cereal poured in, and you go to the refrigerator. Or you go get the sugar, put sugar on it. Then you go to the refrigerator, and you look, there's an empty milk carton in there. <laughs> because Layton has drank y'all, put it back in the... Sick. There will always be times, what I'm trying to say is this, there will always be times that it try, really, are you like Christ? Are you really like him? Is it really part of your nature? Has he become part of your life? Is he the biggest part of your life? Now, I'm not telling you that you need to be critical of yourself and, and, and get down the mully grubs and, and see all the worst things that can, that can happen. Everybody does some to that, to that effect. Maybe you're tired of Hear me talk about more like Jesus. Wish I'd hurry up and just shut up and go on to something else. Next, our series is going to be uh, leaving Egypt. And, but there's something about us sometimes that we just need a little more reinforcement. Because of all the messages I spoke about, just like Jesus, I haven't spoken one like this. Oh, it's just like Jesus is a, is a difference maker. 
giving your heart to Jesus makes everything different. It doesn't make everything perfect. It doesn't make you perfect. But it gives you a, a knowledge and an awareness that there has to be some results. And I start patterning my life. And I start teaching. And I start believing. I was, my wife and I was praying a while ago. It's amazing how many of us have been corrupted by our own lies. I don't think I can make it. I don't think it ever changed. I don't think anything good will ever come in my life. Are you kidding me? That is the opposite of what Christ taught. Go to John, book of St. John. And we will be closing with this. Verse 59. Now, for those of you who are new, I know I struggle sometimes reading. So if I botch it up, just read the board, all right? John chapter 6, verse, verse 59. Jesus said all these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. When the followers of Jesus heard this, many of them said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Knowing that his followers were complaining about this, Jesus said, does this teaching bother you? Then will you also, then, then will it also bother you to see the Son of Man going back to the place where he came from? If the Spirit it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh doesn't give life. The words I told you are spirit and they give life. But some of you don't believe. And Jesus knew from the beginning they didn't believe and who would turn against him. Jesus said, the reason, the reason I said if the Father does not bring, does not bring a person to me, then no one, can, uh, no one can, cannot come. Verse 66. And Jesus said this. After Jesus said this, many of his followers left him and stopped following him. And ask, Jesus asked the 12 followers, will you leave me too? Will you leave too? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, where, where would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One from God. I want to stop there. Because what I want to focus on, I want you to go up to verse uh, 66. After Jesus said this, many of his followers left him. And they stopped following him. See, earlier in his chapter, Jesus said, unless you eat my body and you drink my blood, unless you do that, I believe it's verse 54, 55, something in there. Unless you take my body and you take my blood and you accept it, what he, it wasn't mean to literally eat it. But what he was saying was, in, in figuratively, spirit, spirit taking it. And by spirit and by faith, I take the body of Christ. That he died on Calvary and that he rose again. I don't eat his body. I, I'm, we're not like the Catholic Church that takes communion and, and our piece of bread becomes his flesh. It, it's, it's just a cracker, it's just a piece of bread. But it's remembering what his body done for us, that his blood was spilt for us. So, what about us? Are we like the ones who left? Are you like the one who left? Are you like Peter? And Peter had tons of flaws, tons of problems. He said, Lord, where else will we go? Where else will we go? Because you have the words of life. 
And I'm telling you here today, if you know Jesus, that's the greatest thing in your life you can ever experience. If you don't, he is the greatest thing you'll ever experience. He doesn't make everything perfect, but as you listen and as you move because you're compelled with your heart and you begin to take in your life the teachings that he wrote and things that he stood for, it'll change your life and you will never look back with regret. I'm going to read something to you out of Max Lucado's book. I don't like teachers that read. I don't agree with teachers that read because that's not teaching, that's reading. I'll say that again. That's reading, not teaching. But this is good. Had golf existed in the New Testament era, I'm sure the writers of the spoken mulligans, the writers would have spoken of mulligans and foot wedges, but it didn't. So they wrote about running. Running. The word race is from the Greek word agon, and from which we get the word agony. The Christian's race is not a jog, but rather a demanding and grueling, sometimes agonizing race. I want to stop here for just a minute. The things you see on the news right now, my opinion, don't watch the news, period. Um, but if you do, everything that you hear that's negative, you think is so terrible, it, it begins to bring depression in your life. Things that you hear, things that the people are doing, things that people say is right. And men, okay, I'm going to dabble just a minute. Out in California, they're trying to say that kids should be four years old before they determine if they want to be boy or girl. I'm going to slap somebody's head, wouldn't you? They've got to be four years old. Come on. Come on. Leave that alone. This is a race. The Christian jog is a race is not a jog, but a rather demanding and grueling and that sometimes agonizing race. And it takes massive effort to finish. It makes it does, it takes massive effort. If you if you sit and say it don't take any effort, yes, it does. If it doesn't, then something's wrong with your life. It is a purpose because my life every day isn't like all oh, peaches and, and rose petals and, and everything and tranquil. Many times it is a struggle and it is a battle about what I believe and what I stand for. Likely you've noticed that many people don't. Surely you've observed that there are many on the side of the trial. They used to be running. Read it again. It takes massive effort to finish strong. You Likely you've noticed that many people don't finish strong. Surely you've observed that there are many on the side of the trail when you're running. People line the ways. You think about people who once were the front, and they were always here, and they were leading the charge about following Christ, being more like Jesus, and now they're on the sidelines. Now they're somewhere else other than the front lines. There was a time when they kept the pace, but then weariness hit, weariness set in. They didn't think the run would be this tough, or they got discouraged by a bump and donned by a fellow runner. Whatever the reason, they don't run anymore. They may be Christians, they may come to church, they may put a dollar in the plate and warm a pew, but their hearts aren't in the race. Are you understanding this? Does it make sense? Unless something changes, listen, unless something changes, their best work 
will be their first work. And they will always finish with a whimper. Because their time is past. It doesn't matter how old you are. And I know roles change and time changes. But you don't ever give up. And you don't ever quit working. You don't ever quit striving for the goodness of Christ. For the goodness of Christ. For Christ and becoming more like Him. Because the minute you stop, you begin to convert to the old self. Old way of thinking. Old way of doing things. Let me finish. By contrast, Jesus' birth. Jesus' best work was his final work. His his strongest step was his last step. Our Our master is a classic example of who endure. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, say that Jesus, while wicked people, while held on to what... The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, Jesus held on to while wicked people were doing evil things to him. The Bible says that Jesus held on, implying that he could have he could have let go. And that's the thing. You may think you can let go, but the end result of your life will be something disappointing. And Jesus himself, when he was on Calvary, he could have let go. He could have. When they were beating him on the back, he could have let go. But he didn't. And that's another lesson that we learn and we apply in our life. And we become more like Jesus. So you may get tired of hearing it. You may get tired of thinking about being more like Jesus. But that is the only message that is going to get you through and you'll walk with God from beginning to end. You walk with Him a little more, a more every day. And it'll change your life. And you won't be sorry. 